We're in a series uh, today. If you're a guest with us, welcome. We're so glad you're here because we've been in a series that has been really challenging for me. It's been fun for me because I'm learning a lot about how God it speaks about his Holy Spirit. So that's what the series has been about. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, for 2,000 years, or a little less, right, Christians have believed in what we have called the Trinity. And that is that our God exists as one God, but three persons. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, what, what, no matter what your faith background is or how much you know about church or any of that, most of us can, can wrap our heads around God the Father. Like that, we, we can kind of, there, there's images that pop into our mind when you hear God, okay? And you can take pop culture pictures or images in your head or whatever else. We can also, and you don't have to be a Christian, but when you say or hear the word Jesus, the name Jesus there are instant images that come to mind. We can wrap our head around who he was and, and what he's done, all right? We have some understanding of that. Not always the case with the Holy Spirit, though. The Holy Spirit's a different thing. It's, he is a little bit more um, abstract. We have a hard time picturing, so who is the Holy Spirit? And, and just because he's non-physical, right? And so we kind of made that point earlier um, in, in this series, you can't see the Holy Spirit. So he's non-physical. It doesn't mean that he's intangible. We can feel his presence. We can see the impact he has. So, so like a wind, you can be out and feel the wind through your hair. You can feel the wind on your skin. You can see the trees move. You can see you know, garbage from your neighbor or something you know, roll past your front yard. You can see evidence that the wind's there. There's impact there. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit being this wind, we understand there's impact even though you can't see him. So this is what's exciting for our church, especially in this season, all right? Because White Oak has been in a season um, in the last two years that we've called, been calling Cannonball, and it's been an initiative that has challenged us, those of us who call White Oak our church home, challenged us to step into deeper places of trust, that trusting God with our resources and with our finances and cannonballing in would make it waves of impact, not only in Ross or in Colerain Township or greater Cincinnati, but around the world. And we are in this season where we will be coming to the culmination of cannonball this spring and trusting God in, more deeper, in, in deep, deeper, deeper places. That's what we've been called to do. We've also been realized that as we've started 2020, we've been talking about that in this season, we realize that we've been made for more. That like Jesus' church, us, like that, that we've been made, he created us with this gifting, with talents and abilities that we all have to make deeper impact, more impact, to show more love, to take more of Jesus into every corner of our culture. Guys, this is a big calling that we have. This is it. This is gigantic. And we must lean in to the Holy Spirit. His impact in our lives has got to be felt by our neighbors. They can't see him. But because of the Holy Spirit's work in us and through us, they're going to know he's there. Guys, this is an exciting season to be a part of White Oak and to be a follower of Jesus. Today we're talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when you say that there's pre- the, the Holy Spirit of God is present with you, it really just kind of comes to mind this, this angst that I think many of us have felt, even though we haven't been able to maybe articulate it like this. And that is, how do you know that God is with you? What does that actually mean? Because we say it a lot. You might. I do. Right? That we might say it to someone when they're hurting or where they're struggling. Um, we might say, hey, God's, God's with you. God's with you. And we just kind of say that as if that, that should mean something. And it does. But what does it mean? We say it. We hear people say it back to us. Oh, God's with you. We have maybe some idea that God in some, some generic way, right, is kind of with us. And we hear that. Or maybe in some specific way. That, that he's doing something, and maybe he's, he's doing something around us. We're not sure really what it is, okay? And, and it doesn't really matter what your faith journey has looked like or what you believe about Jesus or, or what you believe about God. I think that all of us want some assurance, right? They would be nice, and all of us kind of want this, that there's some assurance that God really is with us that he's actively doing something in your life and in my life. Some assurance that, that he's going to show up in specific ways and that he's close to us. If we could know that, like if we could be sure of that, what would we experience? We don't know. Very often we don't know. So this is why this conversation, this wind and fire conversation, talking about the Holy Spirit is so important for us. Because if Jesus claims that we can be sure of God's presence, his Holy Spirit inside of us, if we can be sure of that, not in a nebulous way, not in some undefined mystical way, but that God is really with you, that changes a whole lot about how you operate. Changes a whole lot how I operate. So, our big idea for today. I encourage you to take notes on this one. There's going to be a couple things I think you're going to want to jot down. And if you're more comfortable doing that, bringing up like a note on your iPad or your phone and do that. But if you, if you want to write that out, don't resist the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's our, <laughs> it wasn't the Holy Spirit telling you to write something down. Um, that was me. I mean, it could have been him. I'm saying that that's our big idea for today. Don't resist the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if you feel convicted about not writing, then maybe that is his voice, all right? Don't resist the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what uh, Jesus, when he's, there's this section in, in John, the Gospel of John in the New Testament of the Bible, where Jesus is just, has this long discourse where he's just sharing a ton of encouragement and information to his disciples because he knows that he's going to the cross soon. They don't understand it yet, but he does, all right? So in John chapter 14, and when, when um, Danny mentioned the hub out there, we also have free Bibles for you. So definitely want to put those in your hands, all right? But, but John chapter 14, look at verse 15. This is Jesus' words. He says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus' message to his disciples in this, in, this, in this passage, he's saying, listen, guys, I'm going away soon. I will be leaving. And then later he says, now, I don't know exactly when I'm coming back. Only the Father knows that, but I will come back. So I will not leave you as orphans. You will feel alone sometimes. 
Do you know that feeling? You will feel alone at times, but I will not leave you without parents, without a father. I am going to send one in my place. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, you can imagine the disciples struggled with this comment because we know something on this side that they didn't know then. Because they had only known Jesus, what? Present with them. That's the only Jesus they'd ever known was Jesus was there. When they were hungry, when the crowd that was gathered on the hillside that one afternoon to hear Jesus' words, they were present when Jesus divided the bread and the fish to feed 5,000 people. They saw it. Jesus was with them, okay? They were with him he, on the boat when they were out on the sea and the storm came up. And the, and the Bible says that the waves were buffeting that boat. And the disciples thought they were going to capsize and drown. So they wake Jesus up, who was right there with them, sleeping. And they wake him up and they say, Master, don't you care that we're going to drown? And Jesus stands up and he calms the storm. But he was right there with them. I mean, they were in the room sometimes or right outside when Jesus would bring people back from death They had Jesus' presence with them. So now that he says that he's leaving, that opens the door for skepticism. They're not sure what to do with that. I think you and I understand that all too well. Sometimes we're not sure what to do with it. I have some skepticism when it comes to things about faith, things that I read in the the Bible. I, I, I know you do too. There's this door open for us to wonder what, what's really going on. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you have um, been going to church for a long time. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time. I don't know, we have a whole spectrum of that here, you know. But, but maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, and we can be skeptical and not even know that we are. Because we can get to a place where we just kind of set it on autopilot in our faith. You don't really need Jesus' presence with you. Now, you would never say it that way. Like, I would never say it that way, but I can sure my heart can be there. I don't need Jesus' presence with me. I kind of know how to do this church thing. I'm, I'm actually pretty good at doing the church thing. Like, I, 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 can, I know how to read my Bible. Like, I pray. Like, if I, there's something going on in my life and I need a little, you know, pick me up, I know where to go to church. The truth is, many of us don't need Jesus because we kind of got this thing figured out. Or maybe you put your trust in Jesus a long time ago. I don't know when you came to faith, those of you who are followers of Jesus. I don't know when you came to faith, but it may have been when you were a kid. Maybe grandma. Maybe you were baptized at grandma's church. Maybe your parents took you to church. And so you kind of knew Jesus and made a decision to put your trust in him at some point in your life. But what happened, man? Life happened. Life happened. You bumped up. You hit some walls. Man, man something hard happened. Someone got sick. Something didn't turn out the way it wanted. And life happened, and what you had learned about Jesus then had a hard time translating to now, didn't it? So you're skeptical. Maybe you're here this morning, and I'm so glad you are, and maybe you don't even know what you believe about Jesus, or if you even do, let alone this Holy Spirit character. That's okay. Because I've got some skepticism in me too. So Jesus kind of goes on, kind of peeling back the layers of this onion so the disciples are understanding what is about to happen to them. 
uh, chapter 16. So if, you, if you're there a couple pages over into chapter 16, and we're going to look at verse 5, okay? Jesus says this, But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. So Jesus is a little concerned, okay? Jesus is like, listen, I just told you I'm going away. Like, and, and what you don't know, but you'll know soon, is I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to take the penalty that you deserve to die for your rebellion against a holy God. I'm going to kill it on the cross in your place. And then I'm going to raise from the dead, not only to forgive you, but to promise you eternal life. I'm going to do that for you because I love you. I've told you that I'm leaving, and all you're concerned about is that I'm leaving. You didn't hear anything else I said. Do you ever feel that way? Parents, when you're talking to your kids, maybe? Right? And now the disciples are probably sitting there in that moment, like, man, Jesus, that's very perceptive. Yes! Yeah, we're concerned. You were kind of going on about some stuff, but all we heard you say is that you're leaving. Pardon us, but that's concerning, because we've only ever known you as Jesus present with us. It's funny when you look at, when you watch children, um, you know, oftentimes at a certain age, you know, not infants, or, but, but at a certain age, children have a hard time watching their parents leave. Not all of them. My kids at every age have been just like, don't let the door hit you, right? <laughs> but, but I've been told that, that there are children who exist that kind of like get a little bit of fearful, like when their parents are leaving, you can drop them off maybe in the class or the babysitter comes over, you know, drop them off at daycare. And it's like, okay, so when are you going to be back? And, and where are you going? And what time are you going to be back again? And there's some fear of this, like of being alone. And, and some of you as parents or grandparents have kind of, you notice that about your kids at a certain age. Um, now, as they get older, like so into those teen, teenage years, Funny enough, the questions are the same, but they come from a very, very different place. So when you're leaving the house and your teenager says, so when are you going to be back exactly? Right? Or where are you going and how far away is it? Um, they're asking a very different question, all right? That's like coming from fear. That's coming from a um, how much time do I actually have um, to do whatever that is I'm going to do. There's like this resistance to you and this self-reliance. Well, Jesus, when he's talking to his disciples, he wants them to understand, yes, I'm leaving, but I need you to hear the most important parts. Because if you only hear that I'm leaving, you're going to miss life transformation here. Okay, look at verse 7. He says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Wait a minute. Jesus, you've lost your mind it's actually better for us if you leave. Better. How is it better? And then he shares with them something that God's been waiting to reveal to his people since the beginning of time, because it is God in you is better than God with you. Jesus revealed a promise millennia old. Because in the Old Testament of the Bible, God showed up in this fire. And Moses was there on the mountainside. This is the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. And God revealed himself 
to be with Moses in this burning bush later when Moses would lead Israel out of captivity in Egypt, that God would move in front of them with them and lead them in a a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. And then when you fast forward even to Christmas time, the birth of Jesus that we celebrate 2,000 years ago, we celebrate Emmanuel. God is with us. But Jesus' words in John say, but that is all about to change. I'm leaving. And one day you're going to be so glad that I did. Because God's presence inside of you is better than God's presence beside you. So what does his presence provide? Those of you who are followers of Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit does a lot. We're going to hit on quickly three things today. Because the disciples were going to have to muddle through this God inside of us thing very shortly after Jesus' resurrection. They were going to have to figure it out. What does it mean? And we need to figure it out too. Because it's so good. It's so good. The first thing the Holy Spirit does is he convicts us of sin. He convicts us of sin. Jesus says in John chapter 16, right after what we just read, he says, when he comes, this is the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Now, when you and I hear that, some of us think, aha, because that's how you've always heard of God. Holy Spirit's going to show up and make me feel guilty. Not coming to church enough, not being a good enough mother, He's going to convict me of sin. I'm going to feel shame for my addictive tendencies. Like if that's what the Holy Spirit does, like I I don't want him beside me, let alone in me. But that's not what that means. That's what we thought it means. But when Jesus said that, the actual phrase that he uses as, as I was looking at this in, you know, in the Greek language was to present, he's going to present or expose facts and expose truth to you. That's very different. The Holy Spirit's presence inside of you will help you realize your need for a Savior. Because we've tried. Since the beginning of human history, we've tried to figure out religion on our own. How many things do I have to do How many prayers do I have to pray in order to make it right and to make sure that God and I are good? How many sacrifices? How often do I have to go to church? How exactly should I pray to make sure that I get it right? And we can't do it. You and I screw it up every time. And so Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. And he convicts us and helps us to realize that we need a Savior Everybody in this room needs rescued. Because you can't do it. You can't be good enough. And the Holy Spirit stirs inside of his people, reminding us that we need saved from something. And therefore, his presence makes us conscious of our sin and points out those things that maybe need some attention in your life and mine. So the presence of the Holy Spirit will stir inside of Jesus' disciples then and today to say, you need a Savior. Don't ever forget that you need a Savior. 
that you need forgiven and trust God's Holy Spirit to stir inside of you to begin to root out those things in your life that you have just blown off, that you have said it's not that big of a deal. No one else is going to know. No one got hurt. The things that we justify our anger, man, there's many of us in here who have some anger issues, and you wouldn't really say that, but you do. And maybe you say you need to work on it, but most of the time you just blow it off and give into it. Now, there's people in this room, you've got some addictive tendencies, and you say you're going to beat it, but you really just, just fall back into it anyway. It's, it's horrible. It's hard. Sexual impurity, man, the things you talk about. Things that you talk about and do when people are around. Forget the stuff that you talk about and do when people aren't around. I need reminded that I need saving because I cannot do it by myself. And the Holy Spirit stirs in me a reminder that there's some things that I need to work on and I need to trust him to help me work out of my life. Paul says to the Christians in Corinth when he's writing his letter to them in our New Testament, he says, don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? In ages past, that our forefathers, the Jews, and pagan Greeks and Romans would go to temples in order to experience the presence of God. They would take their sacrifices to the altars, and they would have to go to a building into the temple and worship. And Paul says, man, you don't live in that time anymore. Man, the presence of the Holy Spirit is inside of you. You're body is a temple. You don't go any place to worship God. Like he's stirring inside of you. You worship him every moment. He's present with you and it changes everything. He witnesses and he bears testimony to the things that you do and say. He's present with you every time you screw up, every time you sin. The Holy Spirit is present with you. He's part of you. to remind you that every time you sin, it does not distance you from your Father in heaven. That he's not mad at you and you don't disappoint him. Isn't that crazy? That's the Holy Spirit. Your sin does not distance you from your Father when the Holy Spirit's inside of you. Why? He's not mad at us. Why? Because he loves you desperately. And he wants to stir in your and my heart to open our eyes to his way. His way that is best and true. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit comforts us in our troubles. You've heard that too, maybe. That's the second thing the Holy Spirit does, is he comforts us in our troubles. Earlier, what we just read in John 14, uh, Jesus said this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And depending on what version of the Bible you're reading from or what places, it's called, the Holy Spirit's called your comforter, your helper, your counselor, your friend. The word in the Greek that Jesus used in here, John 14, is paraclete. Paraclete, meaning literally the one who draws up alongside of you to help you. Your paraclete. So when your grief is overwhelming, 
when you feel like your pain like, is so great that you don't know how you're going to face the next day, get out of bed, you have a helper. You have a helper. Teenagers, when you feel lonely, you're not alone. Those are two very different things and don't ever, ever mistake them. Because feeling lonely is a feeling. It's a phase. It is temporary. It has a limit to this time, but you are never alone. Because your Father's Holy Spirit is inside of you. When you're frustrated, tired, worried about the future or decisions that are coming, if you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit's your comforter and your counselor. Jesus told his, told his disciples, I'm not going to leave you alone. I know, because he knows. This. He's like, I know sometimes you're going to feel like you are. But I will not leave you as orphans, because I'm going to send the counselor. And he will be with you. Third thing. The Holy Spirit's presence confirms our salvation. We wonder sometimes, have what I have done, has what I've done disqualified me? I know there are people in this room, you've, wondered, you've asked that question. Have I gone too far? Is there a line somewhere that if I cross it, God's like, I think we're done here. Thank you for playing. And we wonder, I don't know, right? But sometimes you ask yourself that, like, is it too late? Am I too far gone? The Holy Spirit confirms that we are God's children. Nothing disqualifies you from that. Look at what, what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. It's probably the most, one of the most profound things that talks about the Holy Spirit that Jesus has promised us. Look what Paul says to the Romans. He said, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so you have to live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And ladies and gentlemen, church, nothing can take that away from you. What Paul says to the Ephesians when he's writing in his letter, when he says that the Holy Spirit has been given to you as a seal, as a guarantee, he's saying that God has put his stamp on you. God has this signet ring that says, your son, you are my son, and he stamps it on your heart. You are my daughter, and he stamps it on your heart. Man, there are people in the Bible who had seals too. You might remember um, when Pontius Pilate, who was the governor of Judea at the time, who ordered Jesus' crucifixion, when Jesus was put in the tomb, the Jewish religious leaders asked that Pilate would seal the tomb. And so he did. And so his royal governor seal went on the tomb. And what a seal guaranteed in Jesus' day was Pilate says, Jesus' body, this tomb is mine. I own it. I have authority over what happens here, and no one's going to touch it. I don't know if you know how that story went, but that seal was broken. 
Pilate didn't know anything. He had no authority. Because the one who has ultimate authority walked out of that grave alive. And the seal of God's Holy Spirit is now seared into my heart and yours as a promise of ownership, of sonship, of daughterhood. You are deeply loved, and nothing is going to change that. God's love is unshakable. It's like this unquenchable fire. And I think that's why you see throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God's spirit is is talked about as this unquenchable fire. Because fire protects. Fire on a cold night or in a dark place protects and it adds warmth. It also purifies and refines. And it it is a guide in the dark. The Holy Spirit is like a fire shut up inside of us. So what does it look like to have God present with you? You can't see it. But you will know the impact when you trust him. It's not not physical, but it is tangible. I can feel it. I can feel it in my skin. I can feel it in my heart. It's like a fire searing inside of us of God's constant love and presence. And church, that is the presence of the Holy Spirit. In our time of reflection, here's what I want to ask of you. I want to challenge you with. You can live in such a way to actually stifle the Holy Spirit. Paul says that to the Thessalonians and in, 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 to them in his letter. He says, don't live in such a way to stifle or resist the Holy Spirit. So it is possible, he says, for followers of Jesus to ignore the Holy Spirit, to like throw water on the fire and say, I've got this, I, 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 I've got this on my own. I don't need you. I can ignore you. I can live a distracted life that will erode this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's possible, yes. You can ignore it. Paul says, don't. Because he's like a fire present with you. Man, I I tell you what, someday, someday, I heard someone say this, someday you and I are going to get to heaven. Someday you and I are going to be walking through the gates and we're going to be reunited with people that we have loved. And you know what's going to happen? I'm serious now. Moses is going to come up to you. Moses is going to come. Moses, like, like the Moses, right? He's going to come up to you and he's going to marvel at you. Because you know what he's going to ask? He's going to listen, man, man, I, I saw God in the, in the burning bush and I experienced God in this pillar of flames and I, and I met him in the tabernacle and he talked to me and you're going to be like, dude, that's awesome. He's going to be like, oh, no, 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 that was nothing. And he's going to ask you, what was it like to have the Holy Spirit in you? King David's going to come up to you. David, who wrote all, like most of the Psalms in the Old Testament, like the mighty king. You're going to see him, and he's going to come up to you, and he's going to ask you. He's going to say, what was it like? And you're going to be like, what, to like slay a giant? Like you did that. That's amazing. He's like, no, 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 no that, that was easy. What was it like to have God inside of you? Because he didn't know. 
but you do. This is what I want to ask us to do is that you would pray today to believe the promise of the Holy Spirit. To believe the promise of the Holy Spirit. You can't ask for more of him. He's already there. He just asks for more of you. As the band plays, this is the one thing I want to ask you to do with me. Pray to believe the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the voice of our Father will speak to our hearts through these embers that burn. Inviting you to trust him. Pray with me, Father. God, may we hear your voice. From your spirit to our hearts, Father, may we believe in the promises. God, I have skepticism and I have doubts and I, and I know that I do grieve you. I know that sometimes my actions, God, many times do not reflect the beauty of your presence in my life. Father, forgive me. God, I'm your son. Hear the voices of your sons and daughters. God, help us to believe the promises of your Holy Spirit. God, help us to believe the promises of the Holy Spirit. We love you, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.